the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. You see, if your lifestyle is contrary to the standards of God's Word, then you have one of two choices. Either you must change your lifestyle or change the Word of God. At least what you believe about the Word of God, your interpretation of the Word of God. Mockers choose to change their interpretation of the Word of God by denying the essential truth of Christ's coming because that coming is in judgment for sin. This is the reason why so many times you and I witness to people and are met with uh, some fierce and intense opposition to the gospel. It's not that the people you're witnessing to are, are so intelligent that they have such brilliant arguments against Christianity that they've thought this thing through and they just intellectually cannot embrace it. That's ridiculous. That's not true. That is not the case. It's because true biblical Christianity doesn't fit their godless lifestyle and philosophy of life. That's, that's why. And since they aren't about to make the moral changes that Christ demands, they choose to ridicule the gospel, especially Christ's return. A pastor friend of mine told me about a conversation he once had with a college professor that was a perfect illustration of that. The only difference was that it wasn't the return of Christ that the professor mocked, it was his resurrection. One day he went to see the professor in his office and he asked the man how he explained the empty tomb if Jesus had not risen from the dead. His teacher replied that as far as he could tell, the only reasonable explanation for the empty tomb on that first Easter morning was that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. Then why do you deny it in class and ridicule people who believe it? The pastor asked. The teacher said that even though he knew it must be true, he refused to accept it because of the claims Jesus could make on him. You see, it wasn't a head issue. It was a heart issue. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff will have more about the reasons people mock the second coming of Christ today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve has been ministering since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries is pleased to make his clear, practical messages available to you through this fine radio station. It's great to have you with us for this radio Bible class as we dig into 2 Peter chapter 3 to see what we can learn about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today's class is the conclusion of the first of six messages on the topic. In our last class, Pastor Steve ended by defining just what a mocker is and giving us an example. Today, we will review that before moving on to some wonderful encouragement to help us when we find ourselves facing ridicule for believing that Jesus Christ will come again. Here's Pastor Steve with our lesson. Now, what is a mocker? What is a scoffer? Not just an ordinary unbeliever. Not just an ordinary unbeliever, but a mocker is an unbeliever who has a deep contempt towards Christianity, a deep contempt towards Christ and the gospel. They are not your typical unbeliever. A mocker argues against the return of Christ, or for that matter, any teaching of the Bible, by ridiculing it. 
making fun of it. He takes delight in making fun at what you hold dear, and that is the return of Christ. He tries to steal your hope of the return of Christ by his arguments. Mockers are today's liberal theologians who arrogantly deride Christians for believing in a literal return of Jesus. Mockers are those who are uh, liberal theologians who, who have made up the Jesus Seminar telling us that uh, we, we really shouldn't take the Bible literally. Mockers are, are those uh, so-called uh, eminent theologians who, when ABC did their special on Jesus that Peter Jennings went to, he didn't go to evangelical scholars, he went to those kind of people. Mockers are college professors who laugh at Christian students who say they believe in Christianity and take the Bible literally. I remember when I... Uh, first came to faith in Christ. I was a freshman at the University of South Florida, and I went to speak to uh, one of the uh, ministers on campus and told him about my faith in Christ. And he told me, he said, Genesis is a myth. That was his response to a new believer. Mockers, those who laugh at Christians who say they believe in Christianity, we take the Bible literally. Mockers are those cult leaders who take great delight in making sport of any evangelical who holds to the second coming of Christ, that he will physically and literally come to this earth. But these are the people who contemptuously look down upon you, who contemptuously look down upon me for believing anything supernatural, anything of the miraculous, especially something they would say is ridiculous as the Lord coming from heaven to execute judgment on this world. Now, why do they mock the return of Jesus? And you must get this point. It is very simple, not hard to understand, but easy to overlook. I want you to notice the last phrase of verse 3. Following after their own lust. Do you see that? It's important for every one of us to understand that what motivates mockers, scoffers, to belittle the return of Christ or anything to do with Christianity is not true scholarship or academic credentials or intellectualism. Those academic arguments that they throw at you folks are just cover-ups. They're smoke screens. The real reason that people mock the return of, of Christ is their lust, it's their behavior, their desires. In the context here, Peter is referring to the false teachers and, and their pursuit of illicit sexual pleasures without the consequences of having to face divine retribution. But it could be any desires, any, any wrong desires. It, it, it could be the desire to, to, uh, to do just as we please, the desire to uh, make a lot of money, the desire to be famous, the desire to have power, anything that would be contrary to the Word of God and the standards of the Bible. But these false teachers, they denied the return of Christ because they wanted to pursue illicit sexual ple uh, pleasures and, and didn't want to face divine retribution. And therefore, they denied the return of Christ and its judgment because they refused to live up to the moral demands of the Bible. That's the bottom line. Aldous Huxley was a well-known British writer of the last century. He was also an atheist who was outspoken in his attacks on Christianity. But in one of his writings called Ends and Means, he honestly admitted that his antagonism towards Christianity stemmed from his desire to escape the feelings of guilt. He was a lot more honest than, than a lot of people are uh, who reject Christianity. Here's what he wrote. He said, I had motives for not wanting the world to have meaning, consequently assumed that it had not, 
and was able without difficulty to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning for this world is not concerned exclusively with the problem of pure metaphysics. He is also concerned to prove there is no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to. For myself, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation, sexual and political. What a great statement, because what what he so honestly admitted is the way all mockers of Christianity think, except they usually aren't as candid as that. They reject the gospel and especially the thoughts of judgment, the return of Christ, literal hell, things like that, because they want to live by their own moral standards without thinking that there's going to be a consequence for it. Years ago, uh, when I was a, a, a student at Moody Bible Institute, I was given an, an assignment to uh, do counseling off of the radio. People would call up from the radio that went out, WMBI, and uh, they had the nerve to say, we have a trained counselor waiting to take your questions. That counselor had a few Bible classes. That was me. And uh, if that constitutes training, then I guess it was accurate, but I didn't feel very qualified. And uh, one, uh, one evening... This was always, I believe, on a Friday evening, because that was our, our date night. That's what we, we did. I had the speakerphone, and uh, this fellow, I, I, I pressed it. Michelle was there. A friend of mine was there as well, a friend of ours. And um, this fellow just uh, attacked Christianity, just up and down. He was uh, really on the, on the attack and rejected it and tried to throw out intellectual arguments. And so I tried to witness to him. I was getting nowhere with him. And my friend said to me, whispered to me, why don't you ask him if he has a morality problem? So I figured, what do I have to lose? I said, do you have a moral problem? He said, how did you know? And I'm telling you, he poured out some vile stuff. Now, I don't know who this man was. Never saw him. He never saw me. It was just a phone conversation. But that's the real issue. He didn't have a problem so much with Christianity. He had a problem with morality fitting in with Christianity. He didn't have brilliant intellectual arguments. He just didn't want to live a certain way that the Bible says to live. See, this is what Jesus was talking about when he said in John 3, he said that men love darkness rather than than the light because their deeds are evil. Their deeds are evil. They they love darkness, and so they invent all kinds of things that that would keep them in the dark and... and, uh, and not come to the light. You see, if your lifestyle is contrary to the standards of God's word, then you have one of two choices. Either you must change your lifestyle or change the word of God. At least what you believe about the word of God, your interpretation of the word of God. Mockers choose to change their interpretation of the word of God by denying the essential truth of Christ's coming. Because that coming is in judgment for sin. This is the reason why so many times you and I witness to people and are met with uh, some fierce and intense opposition to the gospel. It's not that the people you're witnessing to are, are so intelligent that they have such brilliant arguments against Christianity that they've thought this thing through and they just intellectually cannot embrace it. That's ridiculous. That's not true. That is not the case. It's because true biblical Christianity doesn't fit their godless lifestyle and philosophy of life. That's that's why. And since they aren't about to make the moral changes that Christ demands, they choose to ridicule the gospel, especially Christ's return. Understand this. People's belief systems are often determined by their behavior, not what the Bible says. 
they determine to believe something based on how they behave. And, and they come up with a system based on their behavior, not the objective word of God. Peter tells us, he, he even goes on to say one of the main arguments that these people used in mocking Christianity. Not only does he tell us that they mocked it, he tells us what their primary argument was. Notice verse 4. And saying, here's what they said back then. And people are still saying something like this today. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Here's their arguments in a nutshell. Here it is. How could you possibly believe in such a thing as the return of Christ? How ridiculous. We all know that ever since creation, nothing changes. Only today they wouldn't even say creation. Ever since we became blobs or something, nothing changes. They would say that uh, in the beginning, God just set the world in motion and let it go without him interfering in the natural order of things. Nothing changes. See, basically, this is a, a claim that the second coming of Christ is absurd because God doesn't operate like that. There's never been a catastrophic event in history. So how ridiculous to think that at the end of history, there's going to be a catastrophic event that you call the return of Christ to execute judgment. In other words, God hasn't done anything like this in the past, so why are you so naive to believe that he's going to do something like this in the future? You, they would say, have been so naive, you have believed a hoax. You are gullible. Now, how do we answer that argument? Well, you'll have to come back next week to find out the answer, but there is an answer. In fact, you don't even have to wait till next week. You can read it on your own, verses 5 through 7, but next week we'll, we'll see what Peter has to say. Basically, Peter's argument is this, you're wrong. You don't remember what the Word of God says. God did act in the past. He did break in in history, and He did it back then. He'll do it again, just as He promised. The Bible makes it so abundantly clear that Jesus will return to judge the world that there should be only one question about it. Are we ready? Well, maybe two questions. Are we ready? And if not, how do we get ready? It's going to happen whether you are ready or not. It would make sense, to me at least, to be ready rather than to ignore it. All the denials in the world will not keep Jesus from returning. And when Jesus returns, no one will be able to ignore or deny him. So, how are we as believers to respond to that fact? And how should unbelievers respond? Pastor Steve will return soon to tell us about that. You are tuned in to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve is beginning a series of messages from 2 Peter chapter 3 about the second coming of Jesus Christ. There are six messages in the series, and today's class is the conclusion of the first one. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, stay tuned at the end of class, and I'll tell you how you can do that, as well as how you can listen to this broadcast again on the Internet. Right now, though, we need to get back to the classroom. Pastor Steve is about to continue the lesson. It's important to understand the main point of what we have studied today, and it's this. You and I, you may close your Bibles, but don't close your minds. Because Actually, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, so don't close it yet. You and I do not need to be threatened or intimidated by those who attack your belief in Jesus and the Word of God. Because they don't argue, really, from intellectual integrity but from an immoral lifestyle that refuses to change. They don't want to face the consequences of their sin, 
So they think that by denying the gospel, they'll avoid judgment. But folks, it doesn't work that way. You can avoid it all you want in terms of believing it, but it's going to happen. Jesus is coming again. How do we know that? Here's Peter's point, because the Old Testament prophets predicted it, and the New Testament apostles predicted that false teachers would come on the scene and deny it. That's how you know it. The prophet said, Jesus is coming, Messiah is coming to execute judgment. The apostles said, yeah, but false teachers are going to deny that and vehemently deny it. And they do. As I said before, ironically, those who mock the second coming of Christ establish one of the great evidences that there is a second coming of Christ. Jesus will return. No question about it. The only question that remains for us is this. Are you ready? Am I ready? That's, that's the real issue. If you're a believer in Christ, then you are ready in terms of standing before him. Your sins have been paid for. You've embraced that. It, 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 it's been appropriate in your life. You have been forgiven. But you may be a believer who's been forgiven but not walking with the Lord. Then you might be ashamed to stand in his presence. Not that he's going to judge you for sin, but that, because that's, that already took place at the cross, but you'll be ashamed. In fact, a few books back, 1 John chapter 2. I told you we'll look at, uh, actually a few books forward. Go, go, uh, go forward, 1 John, just one, one book forward. 1 John chapter 2. Notice what John says in verse 28 of chapter 2. Now, little children, abide in him. Abide means to walk with him, remain in him, fellowship with him. It just basically means to, to walk with him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. To believer in Jesus Christ, you and I are, walk, are, are to walk every day in obedience to the word of God. And when we sin, we confess it. We don't live far from him. We don't walk contrary to the word of God. If you abide in him, you'll not be ashamed when he comes. Today, would you be ashamed to stand before him? As a believer in Christ, are you involved in something that, that if you were to stand before him, you would just have to hide your, your head in shame? That's what John is saying. And then he goes on. Notice chapter 3, a few verses down. Verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are children of God. That, that's what we, we understand that. Now we're the children of God. And it has not yet appeared what we will be. That is to say that in the future... When we're with Christ, we don't know exactly all the details of our form and, and abilities and what life will be like then. We, we wish we knew more about the future, but God has given us all the information we need. However, we do know this. Verse 2 goes on to say, we know that when he appears, when Christ appears, we will be like him because we'll see him just as he is. When Jesus appears, God will change every believer to be like Christ. We're not going to be little gods. We're not going to be little Jesus, but we will be like him in terms of character. It'll be perfect. No more, no more battling with sin. And then he says in verse three, and everyone who has, he means every believer who has this hope fixed on him. Hope fixed on what? On his coming. Purifies himself just as he is pure. You want to walk with the Lord? Remember that he's coming. You want a great motivation for your life today? Remember that he's coming, and someday you're going to stand before him. So, as a believer, you need to be ready. But secondly, if you are not a believer in Christ, 
if you've never turned to him for salvation, if you've never come to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that you have personally trusted him as as the one who has been your substitute and, and you're trusting in his death alone for salvation, if you have never done that, no matter how religious you might be, then you are not ready to stand before him. You are not. Someday you will stand before him, but he will execute judgment upon you. But how unnecessary, because 2,000 years ago, Jesus had judgments already executed upon him by God the Father, who poured out his wrath on his son while he was on the cross because his son was paying for your sins. How foolish that we would, would have to pay for it when, when Christ has already done that. That's the grace of God. If you have never trusted him, I urge you today to do that. Let's bow for prayer. Are you ready? You're ready for Jesus to appear. As a believer, you can assure your heart he's coming again. Even, even if you are met with all kinds of opposition, maybe from your own family members who ridicule you and think you're so ignorant and, and naive, assure your heart by remembering the word of God. Listen, all the prophecies that said he would come the first time were fulfilled literally, physically. The prophecies that say he'll come the second time will also be fulfilled literally, physically. Don't let anyone cause you to be ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. So take heart. Be encouraged. If you've been confused and a little bit intimidated by those who oppose us, you don't need to be. You have nothing that, that, causes, that should cause you to respond like that. The reason they're so vehement has nothing to do with intelligence, scholarship. It has everything to do with the sin that they don't want judged. So understand that. Fix your hope on Christ today. Purify yourself. If you've never trusted him, I urge you to do that. I'm going to give you a few moments to talk to the Lord, and then I'll close in prayer. Lord, it will be wonderful to finally see you. It'll be wonderful to know that the faith has become sight. For right now, though, we walk by faith. I pray that you'll strengthen each believer here. Lord, that we would have absolute confidence and assurance that Jesus is coming again. Yes, it's been a long time since you have made those promises, Lord. But we know you're true. We know that we can depend upon you. Father, I would pray that you would help us in the midst of being scoffed at and ridiculed to not, to, to not be intimidated, to not let our pride get in the way. And all of us have, have been made at times to look little and, and ignorant. Help us to be faithful to share the gospel, to understand what it, what it is that motivates mockers to understand what really goes on and to know the real issues. Lord, I pray you'll take these truths, apply it to our lives, and strengthen us. Even as we remember the first coming of Christ, help us also to have the deepest of convictions that Jesus is coming again. We pray this in his name. Amen. We will see later that Peter said in verse 9 of this chapter, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. 
We have been waiting for 2,000 years for Jesus to return, and many people say that he's so slow he must not be coming back. But Peter makes it clear that the Lord is not slow. He is patient and merciful, giving an opportunity for his chosen ones to come to him. If you haven't done so yet, now is the time. He has been waiting for you for a long time, and no one knows how much longer he will wait. Thank you for listening today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now, through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries, his messages are available to this listening audience. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners who have first been faithful to their own local church. If you would like to hear today's class again, it is available at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or subscribe for later listening. There is also a free podcasting service if you would like to make use of that. Previous classes can be heard at our archives page. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear Pastor Steve's entire first message about the return of Jesus, call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. You can order an audio CD. The number again, 727-441-1714. It's been a pleasure to have you with us in class today. We hope you can come back next time for another lesson about the second coming of Jesus Christ. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.